Are we on? Good. The only problem with leading worship and preaching is you go from one sort of... Johnny Wilkinson used to say that taking... If he'd scored the try, and he'd done all the work to score the try, taking the... Um, conversion attempt was the hardest thing ever because he, he had to go from that to and, and it's a bit like that going from leading worship to um, preaching so uh, could somebody pray while I just take a breath so just anybody, somebody pray out loud for me David could you pray, go for it mate sorry you're the only person looking at me at that point well done thank you for coming and we have to gather together in the unity of the spirit through the bonds of peace and love in this place. And Father, we bless Lori. Ask that you would sustain him and give him grace. Father, that you would open up heaven and deliver words that impact our hearts and our spirits. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 When I was preparing for tonight, I, I, it was really quite strange. I've got six points. Don't panic. We won't be here. That sounds long, doesn't it? But we'll only be here about an hour and a half, so that's fine. Um, but I had four of the points, and I knew there were six, but I didn't know what they were. And then I was talking on the telephone to um, Jason and Stuart this week about Celebrate and some pieces, and out of Jason's mouth came... Ah, oh, hang on a minute. That's point number five. And then... Um, I was in the middle of something completely different, completely not spiritual, and all the rest of it. And it's like, oh, and point number six. So we've got these six points. And I looked back over some of the notes, because I've, I, it's, it's one of my exciting days, because I've started a new pad. <laughs> I get excited when I start a new pad. But I look back, because I keep my sermons in the, in the other ones. I tear out the orders of service and stuff that have gone. But I keep the sermons in there, partly because I often forget to photograph them and send them to Ruth so she can send them to the people who are not online. Um, and a number of the things I'm going to say tonight, I've said, or Chris has said, or Wendy has said, over the last six, eight, nine months. But they've come back, and the fact that they've spoken on them or I've spoken on them before tells us they're important, and I've now just sort of put them together, as it were. Is that all right? Put me glasses down. Did you see me? So, Chris, could we have the first scripture up? This is 2 Timothy 1.7. No, that's fine. So there's only one. There's one I need the new King James for, the one I said. Or was it this one? No, so it is the King James. This is the King James one. Sorry. Sorry. That'll do. It's got the word in it I want. <laughs> That's the one. So here are the six points. They're quite simple. If we're moving forward into this new, um, new season with slightly different... I'll be honest, I can't quite believe how much reaction we've had to changing the services because we've hardly changed anything. We've moved one service from 10 to 10.30, essentially. Okay, and we've made a statement that 
Chris and I won't be there very often, and that it's clearly a second. So, but it's a bit, it's, you know, given where we were six weeks ago, Jackie, I, I suppose I should be grateful that we didn't take that decision because we actually would have been strong. I was greatly encouraged this morning by someone, and I'm not going to say who because it's their story to tell, but they came up to me and they said, I've been listening, because they were not happy last week. Uh, and they said to me, I've been listening to what you said. I've been read your email. Put me on the rotor for both services. I can do both of them. It's like, that's lovely. We're not asking people to do stuff they don't like doing or be out of their comfort zone, but to sacrifice sometimes to be family. That's all. But what rises up in us is fear. Uh, the fear of change, you would have thought I haven't been in a church like ours, especially over the last six years while I've been here, you know, there wouldn't be any fear of change really because change just sort of happens. I can't help it. A lot of the change that happens when I'm around isn't deliberate. It just sort of happens and we change things uh, because that seems to be what God has called me to be, someone who comes and brings change, roots out the, the dead religious there technical theological phrase there, and, and says, no, we need life. And I don't have a formula for that. I'm not saying we've got to do it this way. I have a whole load of principles, a whole load of scriptures, but actually we find the shape. Or well, 32-ton lorry knocks your church down and you have to find the shape. Or you're looking for planning permission, you have to... Anyway, moving on. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So my first point is very simple. Faith, not fear. And that was the title of the sermon at the encounter in January. Faith, not fear. Whatever we fear going forward, the problem with fear is it's always, it always appears to be worse than it is. Whatever you're frightened of, the actuality and the eventuality is never as bad as you think. It might not be good, I appreciate that, but it, it's never as bad as you think. I've sat with too many Christians who are dying to say, who've said, you know, it's not as bad as you think. Hear that one. I don't find that easy, but hear it. I first heard that at a John Wimber conference in Docklands in 1990. John was seriously ill with cancer and he sent a message to the conference and it basically said, I've been to the valley, valley of death, and the view ain't half bad. And you go, at the time, you know, I'm 25 and thinking, you know, that's, to hear that, it's like, really, what? what? But actually, it's okay. It's okay. And he was only in his early 60s. So, and I heard somebody a long, long time ago, somebody who impacted me hugely, a guy called uh, Martin Goldsmith. Um, do you, Jackie, do you know that name? I was a missionary working with OMF, and uh, it had a huge impact on me when I was a first Christian. And he said a couple of times, which made me, uh, made me go a bit wobbly, because he said, you know, to, to live his gain, to die his, his, to live his for God and to die his gain, that Paul thing. And he said, you know that thing about dying and going to be with God? He said, hasten the day. And again, I'm sitting there going, what? You're bonkers. 
What do you mean hasten the day? So I, I want to be with God. What better thing is there than to be in God's presence perfectly? Nothing. Oh. Oh. And that perspective just... It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to get your head there because it's not what we're brought up to do. Faith, not fear. Hebrews 11.1 1 says... I thought, keep up, Chris. I haven't got them written down in front of me, so I'm reliant today. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is why I have a problem with faith being spelled R-I-S-K. But I think faith is spelled S-U-R-E. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. Is God's promise true? Is that promise right in front of me true? Yeah? That God's given me? Yeah? Is God's next promise true? What risk is there every step if our eyes are fixed on the promise? Now, I get vertigo. So if this bridge happens to be across a very deep ravine, I'm... I'm trying to think of a phrase I could repeat in public. <laughs> My digestive system is not doing well. I'm scared. Witless. But each promise is true. Each step is not a risk. Each step is sure because... It's there in front of me and I know it's true. First time we didn't charge for a church weekend away. Down in Dorset rather than here. Half of me went, yes, this is going to be great. And the other half went, oh my goodness, what have I done? Because half of me was sure God would provide and half of me was sure people wouldn't pay. <laughs> people wouldn't give to it. But they did. And how many times have we done it here? Three with, with church weekends we've done it with so many other things and the money's come and the more you take that step the more you think oh actually it's solid oh and suddenly you're walking not just faith not fear sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see this is why someone who has faith can go into the end of life and go to the brink of death and across that with joy with peace That's when you know there's assurance. That's when you know people know. And all that matters in the end is they know Jesus. Ephesians, can I have the first the two verses from Ephesians? In him through faith, uh, sorry, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I still watch us as a, as, a, as a family coming to God just a touch scared that we might not be doing the right thing or might not be asking the right thing. And we come with confidence and freedom. As Chris said this morning, we come to Dad for a hug, you know. You don't want your kids flinching from you, do you? Now our experience of dad is very different for all of us. Maybe we had to flinch from our earthly dad because it wasn't great. But our heavenly father is perfect. And his arms are open always. Not to clout you around the back of the head. <laughs> Not to poke you in the eye, but to hug you, hold you, 
keep you safe, protect you, equip you, release you. That's what dad does. At least that's what dad tries to do. You know why we don't get that protection and that release and that equipping? Because we don't receive it from him. It's so often the thing where you go, here you are. And it's got to be taken. You know the books that we sent around over the, over the summer? Now whether you like the book or not, the fact we've had two back saying this isn't my sort of thing actually kicks me in the spiritual ghoulies. It really does. Because I've given you a gift. And somebody said, no, I don't want that. It's horrible, isn't it? Now, for me, it's personal because that's my history with my, with my mum. But just think, and the people who've done it are not horrible. They're not being horrible doing it. But it's still a kick in the teeth. That's a better way. It's a better phrase, isn't it? Yes. I can't imagine either of them getting their foot high enough to kick me in the teeth. Well, there you go. <laughs> but it's the gift that, gifts that God has for us. We shouldn't be frightened. Next one in Ephesians, Chris, please. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. If we're walking in faith, the enemy's words and the enemy's lies can be extinguished just by standing firm. Take up the shield. We've talked a lot about spiritual warfare to the point that some people around us think we focus on demons. But you know, I'm going to keep talking about spiritual warfare. Do you know why? Because I know the vast majority of us are still not doing it. Not instinctively. So I'm going to keep talking about it because we still need to do it. You look in the New Testament, how many times Paul talks about spiritual warfare, you'd be shocked at what a high proportion it is. It's not as much as he talks about Jesus, granted. But I'm hoping I've got that balance as well. <laughs> so we can with confidence come against the enemy and then the last bit is in Romans for this point oh hello no, that's, that's a bit further on <laughs> since we've been justified through faith we have peace with God through our lead Lord Jesus I could do an hour on that verse since God has sorted everything and it's just as if I'd never sinned it's an old-fashioned way of de defining justified, isn't it? It's just as if I'd never sinned. I'm just... So I've got peace with God through Jesus, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Awesome. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's the hope that's set before us, the hope of which we are sure. Hebrews. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because you know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, of which we are sure. And hope doesn't disappoint us, because it's the hope we are sure of. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Wrong. You have all of him. Do you want to experience more of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Sorry. I led you right up the garden path there, didn't I? <laughs> we can't have more of a person. We can only experience more of the person. The Holy Spirit is with you. He is present and he is whole. Old, old example. Your great aunt Agatha can't come to stay for 
can only come and stay for the night if she brings every one of her limbs. You know, if she leaves half, she can't leave half of herself behind. You can't have more of Aunt Agatha next time she comes than you do now. Now, often what, with Aunt Agatha coming over, it's, she might see the bedroom and the bathroom and, you, and your lounge, but next time she might show the rest of the house. It's actually Aunt Agatha that needs to see more of you rather than you see more of her. And so the Holy Spirit needs to impact you in more of places. Faith, not fear. We're all nodding. I don't know what you're doing online, but everybody here is going... <laughs> and you're doing what I normally do. Yeah, 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 I'm not doing it. But yeah, 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 it's right, it's right. We know it's right, don't we? Second point. We rely on Revelation. John 5, 19. John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can only do, sorry, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Who dwells in you? Jesus. Not because asking a question, the answer is Jesus. By his Holy Spirit, Jesus dwells in you. And he's the son. So we do what he wants us to do. And he does the father says we can only go by revelation and of course the first bit of revelation is the scriptures you know if a prophetic word comes and it contradicts the scriptures then it's not a prophetic word because the, the, the scriptures are the canon of the measuring rod so we live by revelation we, we've got to be in the word we've got to know our, the, know our scriptures but also we live by revelation Becky, can I tell, tell them what we found out earlier about your original design? Yeah. Is that all right? Do you mind? Yeah. I should have asked you beforehand. So Becky's joined us, a children and families worker. It's, it's great. Uh, but Becky was on a new wine prayer thing or worship thing or something. So it's one of the teaching sessions. And she was in us and she got prayed for. And somebody gave her her original design. So that was Vicky, who had no idea that she was that Becky was applying. Well, it would be months before you even heard of us, let alone anything else. So Vicky, who left us, who does that sort of prayer, then prayed for Becky. So she's had her original part of her original design done, and then Vicky ends up with us. It's like it's like God knows what He's doing, isn't it? <laughs> So there's already revelation. And it was Denise who'd seen, seen Vicky this week and found out. And Vicky sort of knew that Becky was coming to us before Becky had even heard of Selenus. In that Vicky sort of way. <laughs> Everybody here is going, yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't that all? That's revelation. That's those things connecting up. You, you, I shared a long, uh, two, three, four years ago a word that I'd had in 2012 about the lion's roar. My word. Wendy's going to share some revelation next week at Celebrate that was given to us by somebody else, a friend of ours, blah, 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 blah that speaks right into now. But it was given to us 2000 and, 
2007. Seven years. Oh, seven years ago. 2014. You know, it's God. God lays these eggs of revelation, and they don't go off. They just hatch when they're ready. And sometimes we've forgotten they're there. When I got the stuff about a lion and the lion's roar before I left Dorset, it was like, what? Because that wasn't what we were doing. That wasn't what we were about down there. It's a different. We were still doing Jesus ministry, we were still doing the, all that stuff, but it. And I come here and we start talking about Leonard and, and you know, uh, Othniel and the blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, hang on. I think I've got to work. We go by revelation. So if, if you haven't asked for revelation, if you haven't come for freedom prayer, if you haven't got revelation from either yourself or from other people for a while, and I'm guessing a lot of us haven't because we've been in lockdown, then hurry up because you need fresh revelation. You need that to come. We do everything by revelation. There you go, Ruth. That should keep you busy for a while. <laughs> Telephone calls for prayer appointments. Actually, can I make a request? Could you not ring until after celebrate? I think that would... <laughs> Otherwise, the rest of us will go bananas. So, faith, not fear. Reliance on revelation. Thirdly, expectation, not entitlement. John fourteen twelve says... I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That verse is awesome and you've heard me speak on it many, many times. And I'm not going to unpick it. But the potential for us to become presumptuous with it is huge. But God's going to do all this for us now. It's all going to happen. People are going to get healed. Water's going to turn into wine. Lovely. Um, we're going to walk on water. We do all the things that he's been doing. Let alone the greater things. It's always the second half of the verse that scares me. And it doesn't mean more numerically. It means of a greater order. But as soon as we... Do you know how to tell we've become entitled with it? When it doesn't happen we get offended. So when that healing doesn't happen, we go, God, what, why haven't... Or the breakthrough doesn't happen the way you want, or the planning permission doesn't come that you've applied for. <laughs> or whatever it is. Lord, what's... How much entitlement is in me? Now, we can be expectant of God... Because he's put the seeds of faith in us to keep that pregnancy thing going. He's put something in us to grow, for us to be pregnant with expectation and faith to see new things. And we should feed that and grow that, absolutely. But check the heart for expectation, for entitlement. I sent something round uh, to a few people. I might send it through to the home group leaders. Or did I? Can't remember. Chris Fallerton seeing the spirit of offence over the church in America, and I can see it coming here. That we're just offended that. Whatever it is. If you find yourself railing against something, new worship, I know 
this particular congregation probably won't, or the fact I chose a hymn last week, or the fact that, you know, I don't know what it is. What, you, you can't handle the people taking a knee at a football match, or you can't work with this, or the whole thing about gender and all the rest of it is, is just upsetting you. If you're getting upset by it, there's some entitlement going on and some offence going on in you. Engage with it. Disagree with it if you need to. But if we get that sense of being offended, then we're walking in entitlement. And charismatic Christians walking in entitlement are there. They're sickening. And that's why we get a reputation for being arrogant. That's why we get a reputation for damaging people. That's why we get a reputation for all these things. But if we hold the humility, and Proverbs 4.23, which I haven't put up, Chris, don't worry. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Or another translation, guard your heart, for everything you do comes from there. Of course it does. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? In your heart. So it is the wellspring of life. Of course it is. Guard your heart. Take that place of humility. Expectation, not entitlement. Fourthly, and we're seeing this around a lot, and not necessarily in our congregation, but just generally. Fourthly, um, this is the Deuteronomy one, Chris. We need generosity, not tight-fistedness. And I'm amazed, some of you guys, and a number of people over the last 18 months have not been working I've struggled with being with working but haven't stopped giving and I bless each and every one of them because it's awesome because the easiest thing to do as soon as we start to struggle is to stop giving because we've got to because otherwise this passage is just it goes on slightly I'm not going to pick it apart but just let it speak at the end of every seven years cancel debts that'd be nice with a mortgage wouldn't it but if the world doesn't do it to us it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it the other way well I can't cancel my debts because I won't, my, my debts aren't getting cancelled so I can't cancel your debt to me no that's not how it works maybe cancel your anyway mm. This is how it's to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. Christian. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother because the Lord's time for cancelling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your brother owes you. However, there should be no poor among you. There should be no poor among you. Lost it. There. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and, careful, and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will bless you as he's promised. And you will lend to many nations but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations but none will rule over you. If there is a poor man, woman, among your, among your brothers and sisters in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Don't be tight-fisted. Be open-handed. Be careful not 
to harbour this wicked thought, the seventh year, the year of cancelling debt is near, so that you do not need to show ill will towards your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you'll be found guilty of sin. Give generously to him and do so without without a grudging heart then because of this the lord your god will bless you in all your work see when the, the blessing comes when you give you don't wait to be blessed and give out of your blessing you give and get blessed a friend of mine used to use the phrase you can't outgive god the more you give the more god re- replenishes you hang on Lost it. This, God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you, <coughs> it's not a suggestion, to be open-handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and needy in your land. There will always be poor people around, but there should be no poor people among you. But there'll always be poor people around. God knows we've screwed up and it's all going to be a mess. And that was back then and we've been screwing it up a lot more since. But be open-handed. The attitude that says they're just lazy, they're scroungers, they're sponging off the state should not enter a Christian's mind. Even if they are. Be open-handed. Be open-handed. Be generous. Don't be tight-fisted. I am shocked at Christian organisations and other churches that charge the flipping earth to use their property, to use their resources. If it's other Christians, what do we charge to use our hall? As rubbish as it is at the moment, what do we charge them? Nothing. Nothing. If one of you wants a party in there, no charge. If one of you gets married here, if one of you gets married here, looks at the only person not married in the room. (laughs) Or if one of you dies, a member of the family dies, and and we don't charge. We, We waive as many of the fees as we possibly can. Weddings, funerals, I think he said bar mitzvahs then, but that's, that's something completely different, isn't it? That's the band, that's, that's, selling, that's, that's getting gigs for the band, isn't it? But do you, know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? If, so when I go to my colleagues and say, can we, oh yeah, that'll be a thousand pounds, that'll be 1,500 pounds. What? Really? Really? I'm afraid a couple of times I've gone, well, stuff that then. We're not going to use that. When I hear other people being charged for stuff that it's just, it breaks my heart. I'll let you into a secret as well. If you give, if you do a funeral for nothing for somebody, they tend to give you more than you would charge them in the first place. So, but what you're doing is your open-heartedness and your generosity towards them then encourages them to be generous the other way. Well, you charge them the 142 pounds or whatever it costs. They go, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> but you charge, you charge them nothing, they give you 200 quid. You know, it's... I know it's stupid, and it's, but, but there's, there's a spiritual thing going on there about generosity and not being tight-fisted. 
and the way Christians run businesses and the, the way Christians employ people again sickens me. You know, within the church as well. Debbie, how many times did I say, no, you can't go to the orthodontist with your kids? Every time, yeah, right. <laughs> but I didn't, did I? And sometimes Debbie asked me if it was all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. But you know, have I ever turned down a, a, um, a what's it request, a holiday request? I know we haven't had many holidays in the last two years, but, but no. Because... It's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, we try and work it so that we're not all away at the same time because that's caused complete chaos, you know. But of course, the answer is yes. You need a day off to do this. You need to go to the hospital for that. You, somebody's sick. Somebody's, there's a funeral. What, you go. And you go for a funeral for a friend or a distant relative, not just siblings and spouses. It's just wrong amongst Christians. The world might work like it, and that's fine. But we must not ape the world, otherwise we become tight-fisted. End of rant, moving on. Fifth one. And I think this is the key one for us, this is a new one. We need to be participants and not spectators. I think what online church has done for us, and I'm really pleased to see that the, I think we've got about 10 online, is that right? You know, and Zeddy, you couldn't be with us if we weren't online. Sorry? And Eliza's watching from the States, that's fantastic. You know, it's a long trip for you to get here for the thing. I get that from America or from Kenya or whatever. But it's become too easy to do church from home. Far too easy. Whether that's at 8 o'clock in the morning or 10.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock in the evening. It's just become far too easy. Now, we needed to, and it was right to. Please, I'm not saying that. Of course we needed to, because we needed to shut down and we needed to do all that sort of stuff. But now, appreciate if you still need to, if you still need to shield, I get it. No problems. But somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, oh, it's just become, it's much more easy. It's just so much easier to do it from home. Yeah, but we're not, hence my email this week. We're not present to each other then, and that's not church. So if you're a home group leader and you're on, don't keep going online all the time. Appreciate sometimes you'll need to. Sometimes it will still happen. And actually, sometimes it means some people can connect that can't otherwise connect. And I, fine. But don't make that your normal. The normal is this, is being together. The normal is that David doesn't have to move from sitting here because he's going to throw his arms in the air and get in front of the camera. <laughs> the, normal, the normal is there is no camera in here. The normal is there's no camera. The normal is that actually there's 25 of us in here for, for encounter. That's normal. We need to be participants, not spectators. 
There's going to come some stuff over the next year where we're need, going to need to decide whether we, we're there to spectate church or there to taste church every now and again, or whether we're willing to, willing to get off our backsides and get involved and put our shoulder to the wheel and be part of moving forward. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. I will cry. No, I'm, I'm not... I'm not I'm being absolutely serious. I will cry because I don't want to see anybody not with us. I've been here long enough to love even those that are awkward. Trying hard now not to look at anybody. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to leave anybody. But I've got to give you the choice to get off if you want to. Because you've because we're, we need to be... The church is diminishing in this land. The di church is diminishing. We're, we're in that place where we're being refined, where we're coming in. We, it's, we're no longer the organisation that affects society because we exist. Church is coming down. The number of clergy will drop in the next five years. The number of physical buildings that are open will drop. Not just Church of England, I'm talking across... Because those that are not completely committed to Christ are not going to bother to come. And if they don't bother to come, they don't put their fingers in their hands in their pockets. If they don't put their hands in their pockets, then the place can't run. Whether you're Church of England or not. But for those who are committed to Jesus, Jackie, you said to me this morning, should I, didn't, am I allowed? I don't get it why people don't want to come and worship together. I don't get it why we don't want to do fellowship together. I don't get, didn't you? And the key phrase to it is I don't get it. Because actually if your heart is sold out for Jesus, one of the, sings, the songs we sang this morning, that Joe sang beautifully this morning, she led us in worship absolutely amazingly. Uh, but one of the songs about being, giving our hearts wholly to Jesus you know, if we're like that, then we will want to worship together. We'll want to fellowship together. We'll want... Mm. Times like this show who is really committed to Jesus. Not, I'm not talking to the church or me or anything, but to... And who... It's what we do. Yeah. Well, it's one of my hobbies. If it becomes a bit awkward, it doesn't quite fit... Maybe we don't do it anymore. Now, I'm not talking about church or home group or kids work or whatever it is. I'm just talking about generally. Jesus isn't part of your life. He is your life. Jesus isn't a compartment of your life. He is the one at the center of your life that affects every compartment of your life. We're to be participants and not spectators. That's James 1, 22, Chris. But we had up earlier, so I know you've got it. Don't listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And how flipping more clear do you want it? Don't just listen. Oh, nice sermon, vicar. You preached beautifully this morning. That was lovely. Thank you. And it makes no difference to your life. What's the point? There's a point for me and Chris to preach it, but there's no point in listening to it if you're not going to do anything about it. Because <laughs> we'll keep preaching it to those that want to do something about it. 
and we'll comfort those who are uncomfortable and we will discomfort those who are comfortable because that's what the word of God does so if you're comfortable the word of God will poke you and if you're struggling like Christmas he is the God of all comforts and finally oh no I keep thinking I've got the six points on the screen which I haven't I've only got the scriptures on the screen the sixth point is and it's sort of related it's about unity not independence it's about us being together Psalm 133 says is it behind me how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity it's like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard running down on Aaron's beard down upon the collar of his robes I'm not sure I'm not sure what Wendy would say if the oil was running down on the collar of my shirts all the time but but it's there's something yeah it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there where brothers and sisters were going it says in the NIV the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore oh that's the John 10 10 life the John 14 12 life but of course in older translations the NIV sometimes does diminish and make make the word well they're trying to make it less offensive <laughs> they're, tr they're, tr they're trying to soften the blow where the Lord commands his blessing for there the Lord commands if we dwell together in unity he will command his blessing and we will see his blessing because he will command it that's why it's so important that what was said to me about I've listened to what you've said and now I'm going to be on the rotor in two places that's so important because that's adding to the unity doesn't deny our differences doesn't deny that we're going to be in different places at different times but it says I'm committed to the family I'm committed to together I'm not committed to me and mine and what I can get out of it and I might do a bit for you if you're lucky I thought we'd taken on a new member of staff this week. I saw Sam at the parish centre was three times in the week. I think she was there more often. Don't volunteer for helping with the safeguarding. It's hard work. <laughs> There's a lot to do. <laughs> but bless, bless her, she was there. She's got time. It's fine. Great. And I can hear, well, I'm working. I'm just, yeah, I know you are. I'm not asking you all to be in the office every day. I'm not asking you to be at church all the time. That's only Chris and I have to do that. And even Chris doesn't have to do it all the time. You know? But are we committed to what we're doing as a family? If we dwell in unity, then the Lord commands the blessing. So these are the six things. Um, I actually think this probably, probably home group should hear this. So I might suggest that I'll I've already photographed the things for you, and I've already done that in advance. So you could either send that WhatsApp, if you could put that WhatsApp on the home group leaders thing, and maybe you could use it to listen. Oh, hello? Oh, he's showing off at the back now. That's fantastic. Well done. That's, they're the points. Faith, not fear. Reliance on revelation. Expectation, not entitlement. Gener <laughs> generosity, not tight-fistedness. Adversiveness, yeah. <laughs> Participants, not spectators. 
and unity, not independence. They're the things. Nothing's new, is it? You've been hearing this. I think the Lord's saying it's time, time to really, really, really get on with it. The new season isn't about new revelation. The new season is putting the revelation we've had into practice. Shall we pray? And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're here or if you're online, either stand, well, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if, if you can stand and sort of make some sort of sign, put an arm out, put whatever, just say yes. And I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment to Jesus and to the family here. That doesn't diminish your commitment to your family, to your work, to your, all those things. But it's about rebalancing. Rebalancing and putting Jesus back at the centre. I'm not going to say, is that okay? That's what I'm going to do. And it's up to you whether you join in or not. Okay? I will close my eyes and try not to walk around, otherwise I will fall over. So if, if you want to stand, we're going to make this commitment. In fact, I'm going to look this way. He's taking it off the screen. <laughs> That's right. Lord Jesus, thank you that you always commit to us. And you committed so deeply to us that you gave your life that we might live. Father, you gave your son that we might live. Jesus, you gave your blood that we might live. Thank you, Lord. Lord, where we have walked in fear, we choose now to walk in faith. Where we've got revelation and haven't acted, we choose now to walk according to your word. Lord, we expect you to fulfill your promises. Hope, help us to be open-handed, generous, to be committed to the family, participating, not spectating, giving, not just receiving, doing, not just waiting. This is weird for me because I've been teaching for five years to stop doing and be. But it's time. And Lord, we declare we are one. We're different. But we are one, Jesus, in you. So Lord, command your blessing over us. <laughs>